Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121. Or online at mybestbailbonds.com. How good do you want to be? Play one to the last play. We fighting. Today's about opportunity and character. We got a chance to come out here and play football. It's a blessing. Hey, every season is full of defining moments. Let's make this day a defining moment for us in our quest. Let's go, baby. This is the morning huddle on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star with Rob Thompson and the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, RJ Ochoa. Now. Here are the guys. Hey, everybody, gather up. We got something to talk about. Welcome to the morning huddle. He is RJ Ochoa. It doesn't have his title on there, but officially he is known as the uh, managing editor of Blogging the Boys. I am Rob Thompson. Today, I am the director of transitional strategies. I am strategizing our transition into Tuesday. So please, uh, I've got the do not disturb light on. Don't come knocking on the office doors. Uh, good morning, RJ. How are you? Top of the morning to the director of transitional strategies. I strategize a variety of transitional things and issues into a synergistic effect that will affect many people on a variety of stage sizes. That helps everyone. Yes, honestly. it does. I'm, I, I'm out for the betterment I, of mankind. I commend you for contributing to society in that regard. Um, it's very impressive. And um, kudos to you, Rob. Hey, guess what? What? The Spurs Yee-hee! won a basketball game. And boy, I uh, I love you games like that, no. and it makes me mad all at the same time. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, Wimby buddy. was utterly freaking spectacular in every way. It was one of those for the ages kind of basketball games. I Dude, just, it, I, my, my mouth was agape. I was sat in stunned silence. RJ, there are times I watch this guy play, and I'm sure that anybody who gets to see him on a regular basis like us Spurs fans, he does things that nobody's ever done before. Now, individually, everybody's done one of those things. But nobody's done the things that he's done in a row like that. I mean, just 10 blocks, dunk, dribble down, three-point shot, drop a bounce pass, dime for a layup. I mean, the guy, how are we just, well, we got a lot to talk about. That was spectacular last night it was um the ease with which it happened was so unbelievable um you know like i think when when we and we'll contextualize what we saw but i think when i think of things like that i think of we interviewed him last week i think of kellen winslow being carried off the field Mm -hmm. i think of like you must have literally just completely exhausted yourself physically to do this herculean thing and when like I'm good, yeah. man. Where's where's my um where's my science fiction novel so I can go read after this? I, I messed around, and got a triple double. Just yeah. you know, just out there doing my thing. Right, uh, spectacular game. Now, um, it was a nice win. 
We needed it. Man, did we need it. But I think as a fan, I needed it almost as much as the players did. Nobody skunks the Spurs on the rodeo road trip. No. All right. So, uh, but let's all keep in mind, this isn't about improved basketball team. Uh, Toronto is actively racing to the bottom as well. In fact, the win did not help us at all in this whole draft derby, if that's indeed what we're doing. And evidently, I hope we are, um, because Toronto and our placement are right real close. Um, we didn't do ourselves any good last night if we were angling for a guy. I'll say that. But we'll break well, down the numbers and, and go through there. I mean, we gotta we got to have some kind of anger, right? It's the Spurs. I can't just wake up and be happy, kind of like the Dallas Cowboys. I can't just wake up and be happy and go, well, at least the coaching staff's in order, and maybe, just maybe, there'll be a rock and roll superstar defensive lineman coach as well. Potentially. Um Wow. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, it, it's li- it's possible that we might get Sexy Rexy as the defensive line coach under Zimmer. It's not possible. Oh, please. So can we pray? Is there a it's candle not, we can light? It's not possible. Let it go. Don't be that person. Why do you not you can, want this? Please want this. It's, it's not that I don't want this. Okay. It's that, like, if we're dealing in the realms of practicality, you know, it's not happening. Rex Ryan isn't leaving a cushy television job to come be a defensive line coach. Well, I can tell you this. If I'm his boss and I hear the audio of him, he called and asked for another job, um, he might not have a choice because he ain't that good at the one you got, bro. I think so, the reason that I think the fact that we're talking about him proves he is good at the one he's got. You think so? Um, Do you like what he does on ESPN? I think I can't, dude. I'm look, I'm really excited about Wimby, and I can't believe that I have to now remind people that they're debating between the failed coach who hasn't been in the NFL in seven years or the failed head coach who hasn't been in the NFL in three years. Oh. Oh, the, the, these are the, you know, the, these are the heroes that we're standing beside ready to run into the fields of battle behind. You got to embrace mean, the suck. You got to own just, this, man. This you got to so, dive in. Swim in this it. This is so sad and pathetic that what we have been reduced to to actually coping ourselves into a belief that this is a good idea i didn't say it was a good idea i just say it's uh, an you, idea that i'm to going to enjoy then i can sign up for that but this is um this is all rather sad in my mind you know well it we, was embarrassing for the cowboys like to be very very clear it was embarrassing the like sequence of hilarity that it you know was the fallout of how they landed officially on Mike Zimmer as their defensive coordinator. Uh, did you see the uh, next season uh, er, way too early power rankings? I did. I wrote about them at blogonthebois.com. Uh, that's that's and, a, what we call a, a toss to you. So, um, and I know, Why are you still what, mad? I, I read your article. These numbers aren't bad. Could be worse. Could be raining. I mean, <laughs> they are. The nicest thing I can say about the Dallas Cowboys right now is that they exist. That's it. But they are, I keep going back, and you haven't watched Succession yet, to the Logan Roy, I love you, but you're not serious people. That's, that's who they are. I mean, like, they're, I, I love them dearly. I, I love them more than most things. But they are not serious people. As exemplified by the fact that they couldn't even hire a defensive coordinator in a normal way and insisted on, on making it this public facade involving a high-level television personality. Also, I mean, 
I don't think the expression in this situation is people missing the forest for the trees or whatever it is. But, okay, yesterday was so ridiculous with the Adam Schefter discussion on Pat McAfee's show. Um, we have that, break it, If you break it down to brass tacks, I mean, if you want to play it, we can. I mean, but... Oh, we'll get to it. It, it was, again, and well, in, in terms of brass tacks, this was one ESPN employee telling another ESPN employee about the job status of an ESPN employee. Like, think about that. It was so, and people were like, oh, I don't know. No, this is like, do you not realize how greatly ESPN benefited from all of this circus? You mean a news entity that creates its own news, reports the news that they created, and then talks about the news that they created and then ran that kind of circle? It was just unbelievable that people, I mean, we're just, we're the dumbest breed. That's what we are. you, You could just... Show us something flashy, and we will we will move and run in that direction. We will take all the free samples. Speaking of, and I'm all about that. Um, speaking of the dumbest, should we get over this? 49ers didn't know the overtime rules. No. Okay. This is. Um, I. What do you mean? Should we get over it? What? That's the dumb question. What are you talking about? It just appears to me that this is, if this is the reason that we're going to hang on to, I don't buy that that's the reason they lost the game. I don't buy, and that I don't the buy that they, they didn't lost, know the rules. But it, but what do you mean? What do well, you, even well, if you don't the, buy, they I said don't, it. Well, no, I should say this: I don't care that the defensive lineman didn't know the rules. He you, had you nothing little... to do with the outcome of the play. Nothing. Any player out there that says I didn't know the rules, well, who cares? Now I get mad at, at Kyle, but I know that we can the player the player they weren't adequately prepared. What the hell do you A care lot. as the outside linebacker whether we take the ball or not in overtime? And if you did, who cares? You had zero play in the role in the decision making. Only guy that mattered was of, Kyle. A lot of people though have noted that the Chiefs players did know and that they I agree. About now, this. that's so, their like, strategy. But even if they did know, well, if he changed his mind, it's still the coach. I mean, I decided not to, so I don't care what the players thought. I, I, I'm going to stay mad at Kyle for maybe his strategy was wrong, but the fact that the players didn't know doesn't weigh in my mind at all. At this all. sounds like a question for the director of transitional strategy, but I do think that it, it, there is <coughs> merit behind the idea that the Chiefs did know and the 49ers didn't. And so, like, again, I'm not saying that that was the ultimate difference between who won and who lost, but this is absolutely – we, I'm in no way going to just quickly forgive Kyle for this. Like, that's unbelievable. Oh, I'm not forgiving it. But it, uh, to me, it, it, we're finding – there's a lot of reasons they lost the game, and that was part of them. It was a, a reason. But it wasn't I can't the only reason. That you're so quick to dismiss. I'm not dismissing, but so, the fact that when you, when players you coming out, it. you're saying you're saying, should we let it go? I I, I think the, uh, a player comes out and says, you know what? I didn't realize that when on second and seven, that the numbers had told the the data had told us this. You know, your job is to do what I tell you to do as a player. Nah, That's what it, your job I is. I don't think you're. So I I, I wasn't informed right. that we wanted the ball third. Now. I'll, I will quibble with the strategy. I won't quibble with the fact that the player didn't know. I'm like, I don't care that you didn't know. It wouldn't have been your decision anyway. Now, I'll be mad at Kyle, but the fact that he didn't communicate to his team what the strategy was, that's pretty d- d- far down the list of my concerns right now. I, 
I completely disagree. I mean, I, the only thing that I think gives you or affords you some saving grace is that Miko Hardman clearly didn't know either on the Chiefs. He he seems to be the only player on the Chiefs who didn't well, know, uh, which is maybe why they were fine with him leaving in free agency. But that, and we talked about how the end was kind of anticlimactic, and it was partly so because the dude who caught the game-winning touchdown was like, "Oh, did I we win? Cool. Yeah, he was <laughs> like, are, "Are we good? Like, uh, are we are we done?" Well, who's here? gonna lie? No. I think we all felt that way. Everybody who there, the whole world kind of went. I didn't feel Is it that. over? What do you mean we all felt oh, that way? Watch, go back and watch over. the replay. The entire stadium after he caught the ball had to go through their middle Rolodex. Is it over? Or do they get the ball back? There was a there was a second there, a millisecond where the whole world went and looked and goes, "Is it over?" I'm, it, seriously, I and then we all went. Better, oh yeah, it's over. A better gripe here, as opposed to this silly little, you know, exoneration of Kyle Shanahan. I'm not exonerating him. Uh, you are exonerating. No, him. I'm exonerating the he fact that he team. didn't inform his players what my plan is. Now his plan well, was flawed. The what do you mean, I, like the left guard didn't know that if we go to the end of overtime, we're going to take it third, and I should be concerned about that. I'm more concerned that, of the decision. The fact that he didn't communicate to his left guard, who has zero say in this. Um, I think that I don't again, really worry I about. It. I will say this: it is indicative of a larger problem. It's a small symptom of something that shows up in repeated losses. I will give you I that. Think that you are again. This is this is a big small deal. This is it's a small big deal. I would put it the other way. I, well, no, wait. It's a mediocre. Be, would, I'm sorry. You, um, it's representative of not communicating everything. There and you if go. If I really wanted to have a hard take about it. I would say it's representative of Kyle Shanahan living in his own mind and trying to do everything himself and thinking he's the smartest person in the room. There you go. And that, and then you just shut up and ex- just, I mean, for for lack of a better term, shut up and play. You know, I'll handle all the thinking around here. You just go be my football. You go be my chess pieces. I, I'm the grandmaster, you know, touching you and moving you and pressing the clock when we're done uh, because all you have to do is exist in my overall ecosystem of intelligence. I think you defined exactly where the problem lies. We're going to continue well, talking about who you just defended and who you. No, I'm not def- I'm, I, I have a lot of issues nah, with the nah, decision. You, you said it. I don't it think silly. that it needed to be communicated to the practice squad. I don't think that it. You know, it, when the Chiefs come out and say that, yeah, you know why? Because you've one been the there enough times who, to have had to, 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 to have done that. Two of the players who said they didn't know the rules were Kyle Juszczyk, who's one of the leaders on the offensive side of the ball, and Nick Bosa, okay, who is okay. the best player on defense. Further, like you guys are professionals. I'm paying you millions of dollars. I have to teach you how to read. I have to t- give you the rule books. I do. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that they don't deserve any blame themselves, but at we the didn't end of the know. Day, uh, <laughs> At the end of the day, I blame Kyle the most for that. I that do. I do. But I don't blame the fact that Bosa didn't know on the loss. What the hell do you have to say, Nick Bosa? Just go get the quarterback. Or do as I'm you happy. did and sacrifice stats to play great defense, which he did. I am so happy that these dudes are in a blender of hell right now. <laughs> they're just like, that this is, that they're having to answer questions about rules and who knew what and who taught what and who said what. Oh, man. It is just as a bitter Cowboys fan, it is so. Enjoyable. Mike is saying, welcome to the party. We are going to talk about the situation there on the Gold Coast with the Gold Standard Network's very own Rob Stats Guerrero. Had a chance to meet him at the Las Vegas uh, Super Bowl. He's a good guy. We can't wait to have him back because uh, they're in the blender. And as Cowboy fans, it's fun to watch. Hey, coming back, though, the news of the year, the week of the day is Wimby did something nobody has done before. And the last guy to even do something like that also had silver and black, a triple-double and 10 blocks. 
Let's look at it in the historical's perspective as the Cowboys finally take one on the rodeo road trip. Wimby is what we thought he was, at least last night. That's next. You're on 94.1. San Antonio Sports Star. Finger roll layup, no good. Rebound, Dick, follow, blocked by Wimby. That's the 10th block for Victor Wimbanyama. Here's Michelle on the left wing, rises up for a three. Off the back of the rim, no good. Rebound tipped in the corner, Vassell behind the back, pass inside. Victor Wembanyama with a slam dunk. The assist of the year. Wow. Uh, the great Bill Schoenig of WAR, Colin. What was the best game of Wimby's career? In fact, the best game ever played of anybody of his age, those that are counting stat stuffing as a great game. Triple-double with blocks included. Nobody's done that since the great David Robinson a long time ago. Uh, we saw what we had been waiting to see for a long time. Victor was everything we thought he was going to be. That is RJ Ochoa blogging the boys. I am Rob Thompson. If you are watching us live, congratulations. You're one of the, the cool kids. If you're not, you can join the cool kids. Uh, just go to your YouTube channel. Uh, go to SA Sports Star. We are the morning huddle. Uh, I am the director of transitional strategies, uh, Rob Thompson. Um, there's a, one of the greatest lines in television history, RJ, and I, I'm pretty sure you've seen this one. It's yo, Omar coming. Look out. Omar That's coming. The That's the wire. One of the greatest yeah. anti-heroes of, every, of all time. Wimby looked like Omar last night. Holy cow. This was a masterpiece of a game that um, you ever see, like um, like the machines that paint paintings, and it's like you know the machines like you know it's just like it's like mm-hmm. moving, and then like at the end it's just like it's it's beautiful. It was that, but it was like the most like efficient you know thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, Twenty seven, fourteen, ten. What? <laughs> and I I saw you know I was making a bowl of cereal because I had a heavy lunch. You know what I mean? So I wasn't you know. Kind what of, what, what was, was your heavy lunch? Did. Uh, it was leftover pulled pork. Oh, there you go. Sunday. So, um, so, and I had I had enough for one more meal, and I didn't want to force it for dinner last night. So I thought, you know what? I'll eat a light dinner. I'll eat it again for lunch on Tuesday. So, um, going to be a good day. Yes, it is. Uh, second, second one in a row. But anyway, so I was pouring my cereal, and I saw Jeff McDonald's tweet that Wendy was on the precipice of an unconventional triple double. And I'd been monitoring this, but I was like, wait a minute. He got like you know, in the time that I'd poured my cereal, I was like, this took off to a different level, and. It's amazing how, you know, for something like this, you needed that 10th block. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it all would have felt a little bit hollow without it. Uh, so to get it, and that one of all was just incredible and also effortless at the same time. It's just amazing how Wimby kind of moves and fluctuates in that sense. Um, what we saw was historic, and there's a lot of ways to contextualize this. This was my favorite. We were chatting about this in the, uh, the Sports Star chat group. Um, so Wimby went 27-14-10. That has only happened 12 times in, in the NBA. history of the NBA, all right? Only only 12 times. Now, Hakeem did it three times, and Kareem did it four times. So it's not 12 individual people. It has happened in 12 instances, uh, but it had not happened in 16 years. The last time that we saw 27, 14, 10 specifically at, at those minimum thresholds uh, was Dwight Howard in 2008. I uh, did it against the Thunder. And he did it, Rob, and guess how many minutes? It wasn't 28. <laughs> well, it's 29 for Wemby to be, you know. Oh, well, fair. okay. I was going to say it wasn't better. But, no, uh, it was, you know, the, the typical stat line. Normally those kind of lines come in overtime, in fact. So I'm going to say 30. 
It was 38. Thir- that's much more appropriate. Yeah. Um, the fewest minutes that anybody who had ever done this before, and a lot of people pointed out that the last rookie to do it before Wemby was hey. David. Uh, David did it in 35 minutes. But even then, too slow for Wemby. Wemby did this Herculean thing in 29 minutes. What? That's impossible. It's act- it's actually impossible to do what he did last night in a span of 29 minutes. It doesn't make physical sense. I know they didn't keep the stats like they do now when Wilt was playing. But, you know, Wilt was this, now as we look back, was this mythical beast. He's a white walker. I mean, this thing that the old people tell us about that no one's ever seen. Winter's come and what it took for them to get to where they wanted to go. And I look at Trey also had 10 assists in 10 minutes. Um, I mean, in uh, just a few, in just about the same amount of minutes, 28 minutes, a 10 assists, seven points, seven rebounds. I look at what Jeremy Sohan did. Now, we didn't talk about Jeremy last night a lot. There weren't a lot of things to bring up, but it was the kind of game that there was a lot of effort, six rebounds, a lot of the assists that Wimby or that Trey took, I think Sohan could have had. I think everybody was good in their role. Malachi Brennan played uh, as good a game as he had in a minute, in a bit. Um, it was the kind of game that when you see in totality, you go, why isn't it available every night? Pop in pregame kind of addressed some of the stuff that they've been going through. We made light of the fact that prior to getting into Toronto, he talked about his team being tired after Brooklyn. This is Pop again in preparation for the Raptors game before Wimby had his outburst. You go to work. It, it shouldn't be discouraging. You're making a gazillion dollars a year. You travel on private planes. You stay for free in great hotels. Uh, it's the easiest job in the world. Uh, no reason to... Hang your head, feel badly, feel sorry for yourself. Uh, personally, I depend a lot on the character of the guys. If they don't understand that, that's not really somebody I want in the program as, as the future gets, you know, comes about. You want people who understand that it's a process. It's a totally, you know, the youngest team in the league. And uh, that tells me... That there has to be some room. Like, I have to understand if they do have a down night, because losing is not fun. Uh, But it cannot linger. And by breakfast the next morning, it's over. And you're back to work doing what you're expected to do. And you have to handle that. Luckily, the guys that we have have that kind of character and, uh, you know, shoot arounds. The rare practices that we have. are all lively and uh, lots of humor, lots of excitement, and then we go do our best. They go do their best. Greg Popovich pregame before the uh, 28, 29 minute triple double uh, that Wimby went out and offered. I mean, I'm not trying to be a hater, but right now, all that sounds wonderful because they went out and dominated, and Wimby had this unicorn sort of performance. But if they had gotten smoked by 26, you know, which is kind of who they are, that would all just feel right. the – it would be the exact same empty calories. And so, again, I, I don't want to just be negative, but 
and and I think a lot of what uh, most of what Pop said is fair. To be clear, um, I think the perspective he's offering is valuable for you know young professionals. These just happen to be you know dudes in the NBA. Um, he's right. I mean, you know, it's a hard job. Obviously, it's a physically demanding job, but uh, it's it's a life that a lot of people dream about having. And so I think that that is is you know really valuable for the grand scheme of life. Ooh, Paul Resendez checks um, in the brigade bar of the 20 assist streak is still going. I need to check. Oh, uh, we will I'm pull that up. I'm sure we got 20 between Jeremy. I mean, between Victor and uh, Trey Jones. Yeah, it's but, it's, it's still. But there. I want to know. I forget the number. That's what. I'm, oh, I'm we're getting close. Look, so. We are in fact getting close. Hey, coming back as uh, Wimby goes off, um, the Cowboys continue to sputter. Uh, we have a brand new uh, defensive coordinator. Let's talk about Mike Zimmer. Faux real. Uh, we're gonna have some guests on tomorrow to kind of reflect on where he's been. Uh, the, what the what the uh, thoughts on he his exit tomorrow is Zimmer Day. Yeah, well, his exit tomorrow. from Minnesota, and we'll go all the way back to Cincy to, to look at what Mike Zimmer was as he prepared for his uh, ultimate goal, and that was to be defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. We're talking Cowboys next. We're so glad you're with us. This is the morning huddle. He is R.J. Ochoa. I am Rob Thompson. This is ninety four one. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Jason Minnick. You're listening to the home of the Aggies, 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Thank you, Jason. If you're watching the feed, you would have seen uh, our uh, promotional screen uh, for the golf tournament. March 25th, we are playing at the GTC, the Golf Club of Texas. A good fun time will be had by all, unless you are not there. Um, we are about uh, about a month and a half out. We're well over halfway stocked full. If you want to play, you better go to sasportstar.com. We're fuller now at this point in the registration than we've ever been. Just letting you know. So uh, the best way to sign up, go to sasportstar.com if there's a foursome. Get everybody signed up if you're on your own. Don't worry. We'll find you a group. But uh, the earlier you get in, the better, the easier it will be for us to find you, that exceptional group. Uh, don't sandbag. We'll put you on a team that's appropriate. And, again, a team that shoots 37 <laughs> we'll win our our, our semi annual uh, golf tournament. What's the best you ever shot in a scramble, RJ? Honest. <laughs> well, there you go. You can't because there is yeah. no honest scramble. Yeah, bunch of liars. Bunch of liars, and we appreciate here. that. It's fishing and golf, man. It's not so much what you're doing; it's the stories you get from it. Exactly. If you're not, if you're not, a lot of people say if you're not lying, you're not trying. There but you if go. you're not lying, are you having a good time? Mike Zimmer's the uh, official and now under uh, contract to defensive coordinator for your Dallas Cowboys. It was it was reported, it was expected, but the uh, the idea of all these old dudes, all these old dudes, the Expendables rounded up for one last ride. I, I get I the mean, sense. Don't, do you, do you feel like Jerry's thinking this way? I think that Jerry is thinking that he just commanded the attention of the world during the Super Bowl. I mean, mm -hmm. what what we just saw was a masterclass in narcissism with, <laughs> with how how they pulled this off over the course of the last five six days at this point in time. Um, look again, I'm fine with the Mike Zimmer hire in terms of the person or the the mind. The process of how we got here was and remains dumb. It was, you know, nepotism, not in a literal sense. But in a you know football familial sense, and we'll see. I mean, we'll we'll see how this goes. But um, I'm not 
overly confident right now is the best way I would put it. Are you a fan of the original White Men Can't Jump? The Woody Harrelson? I've never seen it, actually. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> when you win, you actually lose. Sometimes when you lose, you actually win. The great Rosie Perez. We'll tell you how that applies coming up as we got silver and black on the horizon. Wimby with a triple-double. He messed around last night and went and did it. We'll put it into context in silver and black. This is 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Rembenyama three. Good. Goes behind the back here. Oh, little sidestep and a jam by Wembenyama. This is the morning huddle on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. With Rob Thompson and the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, R.J. Ochoa. Now, here's Rob and R.J. Good morning to you. Huddle up. We got something to talk about. It's the morning huddle. He is R.J. Ochoa. I am Rob Thompson. Every day at 7, we do it. We talk silver and black. Join us in any way that you can. You can reach out via the uh, the scrolls there in our YouTube feed. That's uh, That's easy. Or you can just text us at 656-3776. That's easy, too. You got something to say about what you saw last night as Wimby uh, broke a record, the likes of which uh, we will never, oh, we haven't seen before. A triple-double in under 30 minutes. In fact, he did it in 28 minutes. Or 29 minutes, I guess. Uh, and, and more importantly, I guess, the Spurs now have 11 wins. Hey, baby. Um Perhaps more important than that. By the way, I thought when you were offering the text information, you were just going to give your personal phone number. We uh, well, you can. Yeah, most people have it. I made a mistake about four years ago. Somehow, my phone personal phone number got put out on Facebook. A lot of people have. Uh, it. This I is, didn't mean that to happen, but it did. This, uh, I have a first thing to say, but quickly, uh, I would say about five years ago now, the Dallas Cowboys um, obviously televised their whole draft. Oh uh, yeah, and. <laughs> Um, they accidentally, they had like a landline phone and they accidentally left the number mm-hmm. like on a label at the bottom of it. And a lot of people zoomed in and were calling them during the draft and were like, Hey Steven, do you know who the players are? It was funny. But, uh, anyway, uh, we had a question before, um, the end of the last hour from Paul Resendez, yes, Paul. Bar, everybody, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, SA sports star, pay the like tax. And of and course, uh, I got a morning brigade gift here at the end of this. They get to okay, pick. So they get to pick a show. We, whoever wants it. I don't. We always, you know, I know we're obsessed with names. But we got to come up with a name for for the brigade, like a brigade bounty. You know what I mean? Something like anytime there's something to give away, it's like we got some. Oh, the brigade, the brigade booty. The brigade bounty. That's up to you if you want to go that direction. But uh, we had the question uh, from Paul: Is the twenty plus assist streak still going? Yes, it is. I'm happy to. I'm happy to report, Rob, that after Monday night, the San Antonio Spurs, your San Antonio Spurs, my San Antonio Spurs, our collective San Antonio Spurs, still have the active streak, 112 games with 20 or more assists. Now, I will say the Indiana Pacers right on our heels. <laughs> They're at 109. Uh, so not a lot of breathing room, uh, but the all-time record is 120. So the Spurs now very much within striking distance um, of this record. Uh, if you want to call it that, but um, they're nine games away from holding it outright by themselves. Um, they take down the Raptors, who um, are, are, have been trade partners with the Spurs. We got to see Yakum Pertle last night. 
pleasant. I suppose. But as the Spurs um, did get that 11th win, I want you to keep in mind that the Spurs and the Raptors are linked in the 2024 draft. Now, if that draft pick that we are waiting for from Toronto back in the the Pirtle deal um, lands in the top six, Toronto gets to keep it. Right. If it's seven or below, Spurs get to keep it. So of all the teams to beat, it was the Toronto Raptors. Now, that might not have any play by the end of the season. But we would like to, if we're going to do this, as much as we hate it, you might as well do it well. I don't, you know, win a game here and there. We need, like you said, we needed a little bit of, little bit of a sunshine after a long, uh, rainy week. Well, they, cur- they currently sit seventh. I yep. mean, so we, you know, it wasn't technically damaging. Not you know yet. What I mean, it, it was, it was as close as you could get. You know what I mean? But um, according to Tankathon, Spurs currently have the third overall pick. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the only pick in the top five that is not protected, uh, which is just a real indication <laughs> of, being, in of being in great space. Uh, but um, but nevertheless, uh, Memphis is at six outside of these you know protections. And then Toronto, a.k.a. our pick, is at seven. Yeah, well, Houston has Brooklyn's pick right behind it. So Detroit, Washington, San Antonio, Charlotte, Portland, Memphis, uh, San Antonio again. So it's possible, as we sit, if things shake out, two in the top ten. Yeah, possible. I mean, so we need Toronto to keep pace. Don't but, be any worse than this. But here, here's the problem. So two top ten picks, that's wonderful. Ask Detroit. It really works out well uh, when you do, wow. when you continually draft well. And Pop, we we heard him in the previous segment. We'll play it again here in a minute. Um, talked about this is a young team. And, you know, when you're losing, uh, it's hard to deal with. But on the other side of things, uh, you're getting paid a whole lot of money and living an easy life while you're dealing with this. So you can't let it linger. You can't let it go. But it is hard to go on. Did you see Wimby's face? After uh, there's a, 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 a an ESPN top ten highlight of him catching that really ridiculously well thrown behind the back assist from mm-hmm. from Devin Vassell, and the look on his face was one of those that you could tell, like, oh my gosh, it finally feels good to be myself and to win basketball and win a basketball game, doing what I do well. I think that that mattered. They needed that. It's just too bad that we have to go so long in between. And I get the sense I mean, that there's not always the effort to get that win. It just doesn't feel like we have to. I would push back on that verbiage. So we don't have to go that long in between. Again, and wins is relative, and that's a real sad See, that's reality. the beaten down fan. Wins no, are relative. No, they're not. They are, though. I mean, like, if you're real with yourself, like, you miss me with this, like, you play to win the game, blah, blah. Like, okay. We, we can all be straight up about this. We're, we're, we can all be honest with ourselves. We can all be adults about this. Wins are relative at this exact moment in time. But, I mean, competence is not. Like, like general, functional competence is not relative. And that had not been – like, last night was the first time the Spurs looked competent since when, Rob? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's been a week. I mean, they, it's been a week. I, I would even argue that they didn't necessarily look totally competent against Minnesota. I mean, the, their run of re- recent incompetence began with the Washington loss that they blew. I mean, so it, it had been, and that that Washington game was um, 
two Mondays ago. So, you know, it had been two weeks of just incompetence. And I, that's a heavy word to throw around, but that's that's what it had been. I mean, it had been a long time since like you can lose and and, and again, we'll I wanna say we'll tolerate it, but we'll be understanding like and this is a weird one to pick, but like when they lost to Philly, even though Joel went off for seventy one, that was still kind of an impressive loss. You know right. what I mean? Or a, a tolerable loss. And so it had not been like that in this last little run as the rodeo road trip began. Uh, yesterday, as Wimby walked off the court uh, with a triple double, this is um, him talking about the uh, well, the game itself. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is a it's a fact, you know, and it's uh, it's getting harder to to block shots as well. So I had to make that extra effort tonight, and uh, because less and less people go at me, you know, in the room. But yeah, it's uh, intimidation is. I can see it happen. He's talking about guys know when they're in the paint, there's seven three plus waiting on you. Now, it's triple double. It did it in 29 minutes. We have a spur that got a quadruple double. And I put it to you, Wimby will have several before his career is done. It's not that far away. A quintuple double, a quintuple double is possible from this guy. In fact, he even kind of joked about the possibility of double digits in five boxes. As a second thought, yes. But, uh, I mean, I was trying to win first. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, almost got a quintuple double with turnovers. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. You fill in every box. Maybe not the one you want. I mean, I, I, the quadruple feels well within reach. Oh. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if, if it happens before the season. Yeah, an assist, you know 10-assist game from Victor will not right. be that difficult. Right. But but the quintuple is so difficult because the quintuple involves the blocks, and or in all likelihood, obviously. And it's just – it's so dependent on, on things that are – I don't want to say out of your control, but the game has to flow a certain way. You know what I mean? Like, if, if it doesn't, then, then that particular element, that particular leg is a little bit more difficult to achieve. The other things are way more controllable, if that makes sense. Post game, obviously joyous because of the win. He talked about what was the difference between the teams um, on a cold Tuesday night or a cold Monday night or in Toronto. For some reason, we felt great today. You know, had some great rhythm. Started the game strong, and uh, I don't know. I guess it's just the NBA. You know, we got ups and downs in terms of shape, and today was a was an up day. So. It was an update. <laughs> That's a great line. Um, update. You ever uh, you ever do the old like? It smells like up dog in here. Oh, uh, what? What's up dog? <laughs> uh, the. I don't, I think as as I woke up this morning, and I watched the the ten minute synopsis on uh, on the YouTube feed just to kind of refresh what I watched last night. And what struck me was a. Uh, they're playing four on five on offense. Julian Champagne is uh, he's a functionality. I, I get where we are. I'm not mad at him. I mean, he is what he is. And that alone, knowing that you're playing four on five and you're still trying to figure out other positions, it was a testament last night to the three kids to do what they did. Because Devin did exactly the – he played the kind of game that we know he's capable of. 
on a regular basis. I love uh, the call. He touched net a lot of times. Had a nice had a nice open shot. Nothing was out of rhythm. He was a willing passer, and he went and did the kind of things that make you an all star, but not a superstar. Sure, you know what I mean. And I think Devin had to had to have that mindset for at least a year. He had to be the superstar for them to get anything. And I, I think if you realize, and what Pop has been slow rolling on this was, if you will realize that there's gaps to fill, and that will get you all the pay that you ever thought, all the glory that you ever wanted, if you'll just fill those gaps, you will be a self-actualized superstar. You don't have to be the guy that has to take the shot. We want you the guy that can take the shot, but nobody's going to have to, you don't have to be the guy that when there's three seconds to go and pops draw him up a play and we go, we got to stop Devin. No, the lucky <laughs> thing is you're not that guy. Live that yeah. good life. Be the guy that's the second option. Make the shot. Yeah. No one thinks it's Devin Vassell time like Devin Vassell. You know what I mean? Right. Type thing. And, 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 but to your, to your point, I mean, to the, everyone's point, I mean, this is how the team moves and flows better. Like last night, do you know how many of the Spurs five starters had a positive plus minus? I no, I haven't. I don't. That's the last stat I look at. But I would imagine that with a lot, all of them, I would imagine it's, they were never it's, behind. It's a, it's a good feel stat, though. Like a good kind of like, maybe not feel, but like reverse feel. Like like it helps mm-hmm. you kind of like, oh, that checks out. Just guess of their starters, how many had a, a positive plus minus? It'd be hard to because we're talking about fluctuations in the lead and not a lot. I would say four of the five. Four of the five, yeah. exactly. Devin at plus 17, uh, Wemby at plus 20, uh, Jeremy only at plus 13, Trey at plus 22, Keldon at plus 27 off the bench. I mean, Ch- your boy Chetty with plus 11. I mean, it was just, this was total, complete team basketball. And why? Because we didn't have Devin Vassell time. You know what I mean? Like, I, this is a real bold idea, I recognize, but maybe flow through the, like, all-world, you know, international superstar that is on your team all of a sudden. That it, it, kind of helps out. It seems so easy, and it, we've also been. It, it's easy to dump on Devin for what he said and what he did in a game that they probably could have won if they'd have done what was appropriate at the time. But getting from there to this and, and understanding where you fit in the offense, I find so absolutely frustrating. So, why? I mean, or I mean, beyond the obvious, but I mean. Because last night, I think what happens in a lot of games is the moment that things get tough, the moment that the the teams rally that we play against, normally it's third quarter or late in the, you know, when there's this transition time, the Spurs have managed to start fast most nights. They're not awful out of the gate. They normally start out and by the end of the first quarter, rarely are they out of the game. I would say rarely. Rarely is a game out of hand. Right. That's, that's why last, but that's why last night but, felt weird too, because it was so out of hand for the Spurs early on, which is obviously a feeling we're not accustomed to. Their win probability, Rob, reached north of fifty. Let's see here, uh, at with nine forty-seven left in the second, and they never looked back. Think about that. Like that, <laughs> that's we, insane. We haven't seen that outcome that early in a Spurs game in a long time, and it was nice to watch a Spurs game. You go, you know what? They'd really have to screw something up to lose this one. And <laughs> they would have to change the rules of basketball literally, to lose and, this game. And not understand that the rules had been changed, which is a whole other subject. But they to get where they got was so easily done and smooth. Listen listen to Pop. We we've this is Pop pregame 
talking about the life on the road with a young team. Keep in mind, we are chasing two more young players. We're already young, and the, the goal of this season is to actually, it appears, get younger. Listen to this. You go to work. It, it shouldn't be discouraging. You're making a gazillion dollars a year. You travel on private planes. You stay for free in great hotels. Uh, it's the easiest job in the world. Uh, no reason to hang your head, feel badly, feel sorry for yourself. Uh, personally, I depend a lot on the character of the guys. If they don't understand that, that's not really somebody I want in the program as, as the future gets, you know, comes about. You want people who understand that it's a process. It's a totally, you know, the youngest team in the league. And uh, that tells me uh, that there has to be some room. Like, I have to understand if they do have a down night, because losing is not fun. Uh, but it cannot linger. And by breakfast the next morning, it's over. And you're back to work doing what you're expected to do. And you have to handle that. Luckily, the guys that we have have that kind of character and, uh, you know, shoot-arounds. Uh, the rare practices that we have uh, are all lively and uh, lots of humor, lots of excitement. And then we go do our best. Do you think that, 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 well, first of all, do you think that Tim and Tony are listening to this going, who is this guy? <laughs> who, who, who is who, I, the voice sounds familiar just the words and the tenor just doesn't sound right i get it but after 11 games i kind of want you hanging your head after you've lost seven straight and you've given two or three of them away one of them you never even showed up for and a couple you fought valiantly I want you feeling bad for worse than 24 hours. I want you waking up going, what the hell do I have to do right now to get better? And I want everybody waking up like that. I want you tw waking up the next morning it's over. That's for winning teams. That's for teams that have gone further down the road. Right now, I want self-examination and utter anger every time you wake up after a loss. Let's not put it to bed. No, well, no, I, I can't. As a fan, it's not even, I don't mean to, you know, be literal and, and play semantics here, but it's not even 24 hours, right? Like, if you're saying, like, oh, by breakfast, and your game ends at 9 o'clock. You know what I mean? By breakfast the next morning, you've washed. Like, how is that possible? Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to just, you know, be silly here, but, I like, it seems to me that Wemby is cut differently than that. That Wemby is saying, like, dude, this is not who I am. Like, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not this guy. Right. Yeah, like, I, I'm not here to just lose a billion games. Like, that's not where I've come from. That's not what, why I wanted to come here. Like, we're here to, to win a lot. We're here to crush teams. We're here so that I can have the most insane triple-doubles uh, of all time with high, the highest levels of efficiency that anybody's ever seen. Like, these are the things that I'm here to do. This is the land that I'm here to conquer. And you're holding me back. If you're, I, that would be my thought. If I would, I would feel like, what do you mean? It's do you like honestly it's over. get that I, sense? Do you, I would like. I am with you, man. But I don't get. The I think the, I think the only real example we have, and that's why we've obsessed about it so much, is the New Orleans loss because it felt like you could see Wemby just kind of like visib for a, a moment, just mm -hmm. visibly like, dude, <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? What's just. Just pass me the ball. That's it's. A, we all got one job around here. You get me the ball. 
I'm then then I go be Victor Wembanyama. Like and so um, he's done a great job, I think, of not being a jerk about anything or not being outward. But we've talked a lot about like, dude, it's time to kind of rattle the cage a little bit, and maybe some of that's happening behind closed doors and in the locker room. But you know, th- I would hope that you know after last night, there's a little bit of like, you see, well, <laughs> you, um, you see what what can happen. So. I'm glad you brought that up. And this is not, uh, for lack of a better term, Pop's first rodeo. And as we wind down this road trip, Victor's about to get christened. Victor's about to step into, you know, there's stages in becoming what he's becoming. And the first one was, you know, showing up in San Antonio and being introduced. Then there's the first game. And then there's the first triple-double. And then there's the first, oh, my God, did you see that? Uh, Which has already happened. And now there's the All-Star game. And now he arrives and will be standing amongst the other giants around the league. And the NBA will take full notice. Victor's going to be front and center this weekend or for the All-Star weekend. He's going to be the guy on Thursday or Friday night. He's going to be the guy Saturday night. And there'll be plenty of cameras around and lots of highlights on Sunday when the All-Star game is gone. And with this kind of performance, doing something that nobody has ever done before, trust me, the NBA media machine sees it. I think that it also, on top of that, I think that's an important effect to kind of assess. But I, I do think there's a, you know, when you go rub elbows with Jokic and LeBron mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and you see what life can be, it and then you have to, you know, it's kind of like when you're a little kid and you go over to your friend's house and they have all this cool stuff and you're like, I wish I had all this, you know, like, or whatever. You're like, I wish we had, you know, a trampoline. You know what I mean? He's yeah. coming home. He's like, why don't we have a trampoline? You know, like oh, stuff like RJ, that. You're bringing up something that really we don't like talking about because I always got the sense that what you just described is what Kawhi started getting when he was going to the all-star games. Like he would go to the all-star games and he's talking to other players and the, they were going, so your coach doesn't make you go to museums. Your coach doesn't give you a reading list. You don't have to read books. All you have to do is play basketball. I think um, that there's something about seeing what the rest of the league is like, and it turned well, Kawhi the other direction. Like, hey, man, I didn't know that everybody else didn't have to go see a museum on their off day. I I mean, that's a, a bridge too far than what I meant. Um, <laughs> I just I I mean from a talent building standpoint. Oh, you're right. A, from a competency around you standpoint, and I don't mean that with any shade to the rest of the Spurs roster, but I think, you know, Wemby this weekend, you know, is having a conversation with Giannis, and this is a really dramatic example, but, you know, Giannis is like, you mean they didn't trade for Dame Lillard for you? Like, what? <laughs> like, you didn't sign a deal and, and have them completely and totally support you as a result of it? What? Like, that's how it works in my flyover town. You know, <laughs> like, so... Why can't it work for you the same way? Trey Young was on the block. Why can't? Why couldn't Trey be your dame? You know, like that. Those are the kinds of things that I think Wemby's about to see. You know, when you are who he is, you're supposed to get the help that other people are getting. Now he's in, he's obviously not Giannis, and he's not whoever. Not yet. But he's on that path. He's on that trajectory, and so I think he's from a basketball only standpoint. Like your point is is fair and valid in, in some senses, in some respects. But I think he's seeing, or he's gonna see, like, wait, they'll help you. 
Like that, exactly. <laughs> well, I was being facetious you, there. But with they'll the, give you friends with what? Kawhi. Like, hey, you are guys, you serious? Every every basketball team doesn't have to go to a, a museum every time they land in a new city. Y'all don't have to do. You that? guys don't have pop quizzes on the on the history. How are you on towns? your homework? Do you guys have? have <laughs> did you get your homework done? I haven't finished out my book. Are uh, your books laminated too, or is it just ours? Is it the real laminate, or is it the plastic that you buy and you have to do yourself and nobody knows how to fold them? Wow, you guys are different out over there with the Mavericks. <laughs> Speaking of, we, the, the, the Spurs have the Mavericks next. Uh, pay attention to those Mavericks. While the Spurs uh, intentionally got worse during the deadline, the Mavericks got better. Luca's found him some guys that are balling with him. It's going to be an interesting run, as the Mavericks finally seem to have found the right mix of guys to play with a ball-dominant Luca. We'll see how that goes as they get in there. Um and that, again, is tomorrow night as the rodeo road trip continues. Tomorrow, when we're talking silver and black, these rumors are not dying. Trey Young. Well, look at the ramifications of the possibility of Trey Young wanting to come to San Antonio if, in fact, he's traded. And whether the Spurs should truly pay attention to this kind of superstar might be the move to make. Then again, it might not be. And we'll be talking about that tomorrow. I promised this to our morning brigade. I have two sets of tickets to give away. The Brigade Bounty. The, and there's a Brigade Bounty, and I want to offer our morning crew, those that arrive and get here before Midway, the, uh, the chance to choose their prize. Because I have two shows coming, and I have two sets of tickets for two bands I know nothing about. So I've got <laughs> tickets to go see this band called Interpol. They're coming with the Interpolaros Tour, and that'll be May 6th at the, at the Techport. Big band, I guess, because that's a great venue to be playing. Then I also have Steel Panther tickets. Now, I Google Steel Panther. They're like a, a parody band of 80s metal. And uh, they're okay. coming to the Aztec on May the 18th. Caller number four from our morning brigade can pick either pair. Interpol, which is coming May the 6th to the Techport, or Steel Panther, which is coming to the Aztec on May the 18th. They're both Live Nation gigs. If you don't win them, you can buy them there. But the caller number three is going to get to pick between Interpol and Steel Panther. If you were choosing, RJ. Interpol. Because I heard that word used in a podcast yesterday. Isn't Interpol like the international police force? I yeah, heard that in movies. Like, I and so I actually think it was um it was the Around the NFL podcast and they played I don't know if you remember on Sunday there were two I don't know if they were streakers um but two fans who ran on the field during the Super Bowl and um and they played Kevin Harlan the great Kevin Harlan's call he has the very famous um the guy is drunk um <laughs> you know call um uh, and so Kevin Harlan I believe referred to these two um people as members of interpol well you have it uh the other one the uh, steel panther is i think just like spinal tap if you're curious caller number three get on the phones right now six five six three seven seven six that's the number to dial if you're caller number three you get to pick interpol or steel panther the one that's left over will be given away to those afternoon those evening types and evening by my standard is anything after nine o'clock in the morning Hey, coming up, we do have a lot more football talk as the Dallas Cowboys begin the offseason with a brand new and uh, interesting um, choice at, at a defensive coordinator. But we got a guy to talk to. Coming up, uh, Rob Stats Guerrera of the Gold Standard Network, good friend of the show. He covers the 49ers like none other. And boy, oh boy, are they in the blender. We'll talk about the ramifications of another Super Bowl loss 
for the 49ers with Rob Stats Guerrera next. Stay here because this is where the cool kids are. You're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Hi, it's Jason Minnick. You're listening to the Home of the Cowboys, 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. You're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. RJ Ochoa, managing editor of Blogging the Boys. I am the director of transitional strategies, Rob Thompson. He is the managing editor, an all-around guy. Uh, with the, uh, let me make sure we get this right because he's a good dude. Let me get it all right here. Rob Stats Guerrero with the Gold Standard Network. Had a good chance to hang out with him last week. Met him face-to-face for the first time. Been on the show many times. Good friend, and we're glad you're here. Good morning, sir. Well, it's the morning. I don't know how good it is. <laughs> hey, welcome to the party, man. We've been, we've been, we've been in this purgatory for years. Uh, Rob, uh, first of all, great to meet you. Uh, a great pleasure to, to get to know someone who is a, a, is in, in, inside the game as anybody. What's the general attitude from 49er fan? You know, it, it's not blow it up, but obviously there's anger. 100% there's anger. I mean, the attitude is that this season was a failure, and it was. And there's simply no other way to look at it. This entire year was about getting back to the NFC Championship game. They felt like they didn't get a chance to play in the year before, winning it and winning a championship. And they failed again. And everything that 49er fans want to sit there and talk about Cowboy fans and, and joke about how Dallas always chokes in a big moment, so that's true. But the 49ers are right there with them right now. We're going on 30 years now without a championship, and they've earned this label. And there were a lot of Cowboys fans in our chats and our live broadcasts on the Gold Standard Network laughing at the 49ers, and they've earned it. And that's inescapable. Stats, I would just remind you that the Niners Super Bowl drought is, is longer than the Cowboys, but I mean, you know, if you Wow, kick a man when he's down. And, Come on. And, and whatnot. Uh Kyle Shanahan feels like the face of it all. Um I watched your, your post game show with Levin and I know you guys kinda came at Steve Wilkes a little bit, but um I know you did that show before the story about the Niners not necessarily knowing the overtime rules really blew up, but it feels like Shanahan is the and this this feels different than the last one where maybe Jimmy Garoppolo took a lot of the blame for that and obviously the missed throw to Emmanuel Sanders. It it feels like Kyle Shanahan is, is the face for this failure right now. Um, he certainly wears a lot of it. Now, I will point out that, you know, Miko Hardman, the guy that caught the game-winning touchdown, didn't know that right. the game was over. So it's not like everyone on the Chiefs knew the rule either. But I think that what, what 49er fans have to accept now, you know, for, for so long it was, well, Jimmy Garoppolo stinks. That was the refrain in 2019. And then 2020, they got horribly injured, so that's why they didn't do it. And 2021, Joukowsky Tart dropped the interception, but we were still the best team. And then in 2022, all our quarterbacks got hurt. Now that's over. Like, that fiction is over now. They just have to accept the reality that they were not good enough. We had to wait four years for the reality to set in, that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were just better. And it wasn't that the 49ers got screwed or anything like that. They just weren't good enough. They simply failed. He is Stats Guerrero of the Gold Standard Network right here on San Antonio Sports Star. So uh, I know we're just a couple of days out, but you are, as a 49er organization, facing uh, the financial reckoning that's coming when you've got a quarterback that was underpaid and a lot of guys that you traded for, the, the money is now adding up. So... Where do you see the 49ers moving uh, over the next year? Is it an all-in, one more try, or will we see some significant roster changes? 
Uh, I'm not really sure how much they can do because they've already started kicking the can down the road. They restructured Eric Armstead last year. They restructured Christian McCaffrey. They restructured George Kittle. So they've already kind of locked themselves into things the way they are. Now, fortunately, they still have a very good roster. But I don't really know what kind of big moves can be made. I think the changes are, that are going to have to come are, are the draft, which the 49ers have. I think they're going to have around 10 or 11 draft picks when you add up all the compensatory picks that they're going to get. Mm-hmm. So they'll be able to replenish things a little bit there. Um, but, you know, I don't think that they're going to be able to make any sort of big free agent moves. The quarterback situation is settled for the first time in a long time. So as frustrating as it is, I think the only really big move they could make is changing the defensive coordinator, and I'm not really sure if that's going to happen. Stats. So you're right. Javon Hargrave was kind of an exception to what you're saying, you know, will be the free agency approach this season in terms of what happened last year. Um, We were talking about this, obviously, and have been over the course of the last, whatever, it's been 36 hours. And you said something to me and, and our friend about how even if they return and win the Super Bowl next year, that it might not feel like enough, that, that it just – and I have to imagine as, as you watch the Chiefs be celebrated as this dynasty, you talked about obviously the, the two title games in between the Super Bowl appearances. Like you don't have to move a lot of goalposts to, to you know create a world where the Niners are being talked about like that. Like It does kind of feel like even if they somehow get back and do it next year that it will still be a failure in terms of the potential of the era. Yeah, I tweeted out that even if they somehow happen to win it next year, which I don't know how anybody could pick them to win it next year, you, look, like I, I, I've been here for the losses, right? One Super Bowl win compared to three Super Bowl losses, I don't know, maybe it's just too raw for me right now, but I don't know that that necessarily erases things for me. It just doesn't. Like, this pain is real. It hurts. I thought they had the better team every single year, and they lost all three of those Super Bowls. And maybe I'll feel differently a year removed from this and, and, you know, with another season under the belt and and big moments and stuff like that. But a lot of people didn't like it, but I stand by it, man. I'm not quite sure that just one Super Bowl win makes it all go away. And that's the the worst part because that's the hope, right? Because if I don't have the hope for that, then what am I I doing here watching these games? But that's how I feel right now. Uh, You're not alone, no matter the color you choose. The Stats Guerrero joins us. Were there any signs that this was coming? Looking back at previous games and looking at some of the decisions that were made, can you see in the past what actually turned out or was what happened just another shock? Well, I think when you go back and you look at the season as a whole, I think what you can say is the 49ers peaked after the Eagles game. I think that was when they were at their absolute best, and we kept waiting for it all year for them to get back to that and play that way. And we ultimately never saw it again. You know, obviously they had some good comeback wins in the playoffs, but they were never quite the wrecking ball that we saw earlier in the year. They never had a game where the offense and the defense played at their best. They got one or the other, and a lot of times that was good enough to win, but they never got a complete game, and they never got a complete game from both sides of the ball, unfortunately, because when they were playing at that level, I thought they were unbeatable, but it's hard to play at that level all the time, and it's harder to do it when your best is needed. Stats, I mentioned that you and Levin noted that Shanahan and Wilkes deserved a lot of the blame, and, and you also mentioned that, I mean, a difficult reality to accept is just that the Chiefs were the better team. But if you had to isolate players on the roster who you do blame, who are they? <laughs> uh, well, I think um, hmm, that's a good question. Honestly, I don't want to say blame, but I think the injury to Dre Greenlaw was massive in the game. 
Greenlaw and Warner were doing an incredible job of, of eliminating Travis Kelsey from the game. I think he had one catch on one target when Dre Greenlaw was in the game. And when he went down with about nine minutes to go in the second quarter, that completely changed things for the 49ers, especially because Greenlaw is one of those people that really provides a boost to the defense. He's the most physical part of their defense. And I think that while the Niners' defense held up reasonably well for most of the game, I just couldn't help but thinking, you know, Greenlaw is that guy that could make that one play that maybe shifted things in the Niners' favor like he did against uh, earlier in the playoffs when he had his interception. So I think they really, really missed him. I think that was probably the biggest thing from an individual player standpoint. He is the, the director of the Gold Coast Network. Uh, they cover the 49ers, and they're going through turmoil, the likes of which most teams are today. Um, but you, you are coming back at it with a lot of talent. You know, when I look at problems and how you fix them, I was taught a long time ago, I look at three parts, people, process, and technology. Um, the, the technology we'll put in for game plan. Is there anything about what Shanahan does that he needs to change? Getting away from the running game, so many coaches and OCs get in trouble for that, but he did too. Um, is there anything about the scheme that you look at and go, this is just not going to win a championship? I wouldn't say the scheme. I think the scheme is okay. I think what hurts the Niners is, is Kyle Shanahan's game management. Mm. Quite frankly, he stinks at it. He's not, he is, it's not just that he doesn't excel. He's bad at it. He didn't take his timeouts at the end of the first half to give his, chance, his team a chance to score. Right, he was totally happy going into the locker room at seven to three. Like he was, that was fine with him, or ten to three, I should say. Um, he didn't do that. Right, he gets away from the running game. Right, he thinks that if it's second and ten, that's a passing down, and that's what happened to the Forty ers Is they would throw an incompletion on first down, and then he would go, "Oh no, we have to pass again." And then if it would be incomplete on second down, now you're in third and long, and now you have to pass again. So just like that thought process, I think is a little broken. And, I mean, taking the ball first in overtime, I thought, was a ridiculous choice. And, of course, getting conservative on fourth downs, something I've been screaming about with Kyle Shanahan. He always coaches to avoid the worst-case scenario. He doesn't coach to achieve the best-case scenario. And as long as he is afraid to lose, he will never succeed. Mm. Uh, Cold hard truth stats. I know that, you know, it's just super fun to talk about uh, your team on the Super Bowl, and so uh, apologies for all this, but um, obviously people have been likening Mahomes to Michael Jordan, um, and we're going to do something later where if, if the Chiefs are, in fact, the 90s Bulls, kind of figuring out who everybody else is in that puzzle, um, but you're a sports historian. I mean, you didn't earn the nickname stats for, for no reason. Uh, so that being said, um, who, who are the Niners if, if the Chiefs are, in fact, the 90s Bulls? I think the Niners are a less likable Phil Mickelson. I think the Chiefs. Oh wow! I think the Chiefs are Tiger Woods. Really, like Tiger Woods. A lot of golfers would have had Hall of Fame careers if not for Tiger Woods winning like every tournament he ever entered into. And so the thing with Phil Mickelson was everyone was like, "Oh, he hasn't won the big one yet," but they really liked him as a person. The 49ers are not likable in a lot of ways, right? People thought they complained after the NFC Championship game. They've kind of acted like the uncrowned champion a little bit. And so they're not likable. Kyle Shanahan can be kind of a jerk sometimes. And so that's who they are. I think they're a less likable Phil Mickelson because they haven't gotten it done because, you know, just one thing, really, Tiger Woods mostly for Phil. And I just, 
I don't know that they ever will. I really don't. I don't think that they, I think there's a legitimate possibility that this run is at its end. You can't keep running it back every year. And they are going to go down with the Bills and the Vikings and Andy Reid's Eagles of the best teams to never win a championship. So if that's, you're kind of locked in financially, party's going to get paid somehow. Uh, is is there going to be a a victim? Is there going to be someone that has to pay? Is Wilkes going to suffer? Is there going to be a change somewhere just to appease those or to fix whatever problems that are seen, at least on the inside? Well, the problem with Wilkes is who are you going to get? Right. The coaching carousel has kind of played out already. I mean, if I were the 49ers, honestly, I don't think it would ever happen, but you, you owe it to yourselves to make a phone call to Bill Belichick. Hey, Bill. Any chance, you know, for one year, you're not doing anything. You're not going to get a head coaching job. Would you consider being a defensive coordinator? Kyle and Bill have a good relationship. Uh, Kyle clearly respects Bill Belichick. How could you not? I think that Belichick, honestly, could probably help Kyle Shanahan with some of his game management problems because that's something that Belichick has excelled at. Um, but other than that, I'm not really sure what else you can do. And I'll say this. I'm not 100% sure I would give $50 million to Brock Purdy. Well, I mean, you have a year. That's actually stats is the percentage you think of Kirk because Kirk is the the apple of Kyle's eye, obviously, and he's available this off season. I mean, what what is the likelihood of San Francisco, in your estimation, exploring a, a change of quarterback now? Because it's not like Brock Purdy's on on the books for anything significant, you know, at this moment in time, and and you haven't handed out that contract yet. Zero percent. Um, because I think that Brock Purdy gives you everything that Kirk Cousins gives you, and he's way cheaper, and he's more mobile. Like, Kirk Cousins is known for standing in the pocket, diagnosing a defense before a play, and making a strong throw to get the ball in there. But Kirk doesn't have the, the ability to execute things outside of the structure of the offense when things break down. Um, so I don't think that Kirk Cousins is a viable option for the 49ers, and I'm certainly happy to play things out next year with Brock Purdy, who, like you said, is going to be super cheap. But I am not ready to just hand over $50 million to Brock Purdy. Not when I have to check the weather report before every game to see if it's raining. And the simple truth is that Brock was worse in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. And I know the competition is harder, but that's no excuse. And when I'm going to hand out that much money to a quarterback, I need to know that come hell or high water, this is the guy I can count on. And right now, to me, Brock hasn't proven that yet. Let's go from the existential uh, to just the uh, the questions from the game itself. What do you make of the, the 49ers didn't know the rules? Yeah, I mean, obviously that's upsetting. Um, I don't know that none of, just because we had a couple guys say it, that doesn't mean that none of the 49ers know the rules. I bet you there's players on every team in every locker room that don't know all of the rules. But it's not a good look for Kyle Shanahan, right? Especially when... We saw Kyle Shanahan on opening night, and there were some people that thought that maybe Kyle Shanahan was celebrating a little much <laughs> on opening night, right? Like, that's a thing that happened. So it's not a good look for Kyle Shanahan. It's clearly not. I would offer stats that it's way worse than that. Um, you and I used to do a show together, and after Kyle Shanahan beat Mike McCarthy the first time, and the Cowboys tried to run um, and, and spike the ball and didn't know the rules, that they had to hand the officials the balls, um, you killed the Cowboys, rightfully so. I mean, for, for not knowing and actually for practicing that improperly. I mean, this was a, a significantly larger game, obviously. I mean, this is this is worse than a bad look to me. Like, this, this is a really big deal for Kyle Shanahan, and it kind of feels like he's not catching enough heat. 
Well, but here's the difference, right? Did the, did the fact that the 49ers didn't know the rule have an, a material effect on how they played in the game, right? That Cowboy, the reason why that Cowboys thing is bad, because that's why they didn't have enough time to run the final play, because they didn't hand the ball to the official, and so the official had to get in between guys and touch the ball and spot the ball. That affected directly the outcome of the play. Would Eric Armstead have rushed the passer differently if he knew the overtime rule? Like, you know, like, so that's why I think there's slightly a difference. But, I mean, the buck ultimately stops with the head coach in both situations. How have the players reacted? What's the attitude of the players? I know they're saying we didn't know, and we've heard some of those things, so it feels like they're throwing coach under the bus. But is there dissension amongst the players, or is it just anger at themselves? I think it's anger at themselves. Um, for all the criticism that I give to Kyle Shanahan, he is beloved in that locker room. I, they, they really do respect Kyle. Um, I don't know if you can say the same thing about their defensive coordinator. Uh, that's why I think maybe there's going to be a change there, but I don't have any questions about the team and Kyle Shanahan. Um, they, they, they like his honesty. They like how he deals with the players. So I don't think that there's any sort of issue there. Gold Standard Network, everybody check it out on YouTube. Stats was hustling all over Las Vegas, yes, has interviews. You can still go back and watch with Mina Kimes, Kevin Clark, Drew Brees, all sorts of people. Uh, subscribe, like all the videos, turn on the notifications. Stats, you're the man. Great job in Las Vegas. Um, I wish I could say I was sorry for the result, but um, you know that that would be a lie. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Yeah, I really, really appreciate you guys having me on. Want to talk about uh, 2012 or 2019 a little more? Uh, yeah, no. we'll just talk about all your deep fears and insecurities. That's but what we're, we will. We're we want here. you back. We'll talk some Golden State Warriors uh, as the weeks progress. Stats is a thunder. Anytime fan, you actually. need. <laughs> we will. If he's a thunder to Thanks, Golden Stats. State Warrior fan, what could be wrong with him? Uh, that That's is true. Stats. He has chosen three of uh, my least favorite franchises to be fans of. Hey, coming up, Zimmer. Really? Or should we add another? Another Rexy to the mix. Uh, we'll talk some Cowboys real quick. we got a lot more to get to. Hang here. You're on 941 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning, everybody. Joe Reinagle here coming up later on The Blitz. We're going to talk Spurs basketball. Their rodeo road trip continues. And Mike Zimmer, the new defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, Shereen Williams will have something to say about that. She'll join us at 515. RJ, I know you're upset that Rex Ryan wasn't hired. You going to be okay? Well, it ain't over yet. There is some talk. Defensive Stop line it. coach? Stop he, it. He's Stop RJ. it. Stop it. I don't know why you would be so mad at this. I, I because, really don't. Because, because I expect my football team to be serious. Well, That's they, why, they've already Don't try to make sense out of nonsense. You know, my dad taught me that a long time ago. If, you, if you'll stop trying to figure oh. it out and be a leaf on a stream for the next eight months, nine months. Just just go for the ride, because that's what Jerry's doing. He ain't all in. He's on. He's all in for the ride. And this is going to be a last ride. It's Butch and Sundance in a canyon. They're going to go out blazing with a bunch of old dudes. Man, that's what's going to happen. You just described why our approaches to this are different. Yours is, hey, I'm just here to to just party and not not have my vibe, you know, stifled. I'm, I'm You know, I don't want my style cramped. I'm, I want my team to be serious and be competitive, and the I, even entertain I, like the the mere just entertainment of Rex Ryan is so stupid to me. And anyone like, well, I don't know, man. His defenses were really, really, really. They were this dude. This That's dude hasn't not a been lie. a defense. He, has he has a good a def defensive coordinator. Rob Robert. He hasn't been a defensive coordinator in 15 years. He's been I playing mad. You know. Uh, 
like, let's just, I mean, slow down and relax. Like, this is so silly and ridiculous. This is just, be, be, a, seri- be a serious person. Be a serious human being. Anyone, someone, please, anyone, anyone in my, in my general vicinity, please. Enough with this Rex Ryan hoopla. If Zimmer shows up, and what if he has a top five defense? I mean, that's probably very likely because yes. of the talent on on the team. I mean, the Zimmer, the look, the the Rex Ryan thing successfully provided cover for <laughs> for the Zimmer fallout. That's all it did. Is everyone was like, please God, no, not Rex, and they're like, we'll take Zim. I mean. It worked. They are masterful at this. I, I will give them that. If you want to see elite you know, performance, look at how the Dallas Cowboys managed public setting. Also, the fact that this remained a top storyline amid the Super Bowl. I mean, realize the timeline of events. It was last Thursday evening as everyone was about to accept their awards, none of which went to Dallas Cowboys, mind you that reports first broke that Dallas was going to hire Zimmer. Then the Rex thing dominated the whole weekend, and the day after the Super Bowl, the Rex thing popped up again. They are elite at this. A master's class in media manipulation. Coming up, if Patrick Mahomes is Jordan and the Chiefs are the Bulls, who are the 49ers in this 80s basketball analogy? We have our ideas. What are yours? We're talking about it next. This is 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. you want to be from play one to the last play we fight today's about opportunity and character we got a chance to come out here and play football it's a blessing hey every season is full of defining moments let's make this day a defining moment for us in our quest let's go baby. this is the morning huddle on 94.1 san antonio sports star with Rob Thompson and the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, R.J. Ochoa. Now, here are the guys. Yes, here we are. Gather around. We got something to talk about. It is the morning huddle. Hour three, R.J. Ochoa and Rob Thompson with you. R.J., I appreciate your new mic stand. That is a spectacular piece of equipment. It looks like it's coming down from the ceiling. I was sent from corporate, so, um, you know. I want new stuff. Mine's coming from the ceiling too, but yours is. Uh, it was newer. actually very difficult to set up. It was, it was almost an accident. Um, I'd have know, been there bleeding. Was an instruction manual. Yeah, it was a really difficult uh, situation. And actually, um, it it has a weird reflex. Um, you know, like it's a lot of mic stands, and you know this. Like you pull, and, and it just sometimes they can't. Yeah. This one has a a real quick whiplash. Like it, oh. it, it doesn't like it doesn't like to sit. So I mean, we haven't had any problems today, but I'm worried that I'm just going to breathe wrong and it's going to like kick back well, and uh, you know. Make sure you have sleep. the uh, cover on there so you don't chip a tooth. Um, I will do my very it's best. It's one of those things you got to worry about. The Kansas City Chiefs are the Chicago Bulls of the late '80s is the analogy we're hearing, that Pat Mahomes is Jordan, that Kelsey is Pippen, that Andy is Phil, and here we go. If that is, in fact, the case, and I think it's a pretty apt analogy, I do like the Tiger Woods analogy, too, but it looks like... Who did you say was Pippen? Who are you saying was Pippen? Um, I said... Uh, 
Mahomes I think I said Jordan. Kelsey. No, Kelsey's Rodman, dude. Okay, Rodman. Yeah. Who's Pippen? Pippen might be. I don't know who's Pippen. I was just picking the second best guy. Well, I mean, yeah, that works. I mean, he's Pippen and Rodman. You know, nothing's nothing's going to be like one for one. But so if Jordan is, I'm sorry, if Mahomes is Jordan and Reed is is Phil and Kelsey's whoever, they're clearly the Bulls. Clearly. Who is everybody else? I will put it to you that uh, first and foremost, boy, the 49ers look like Utah. I'll tell you what, you're going to compare John Stockton to Brock Purdy. The comparisons go on and on and on. Uh, Carl Malone, you could put him in uh, with a couple of those. I'll put him in with McCaffrey, maybe. Maybe Debo. Or, or Kittle. Or Kittle. Uh, I think the comparisons are that. I'm not... We just had Stats Guerrero on, and if you missed any of, of what he had to say, he's really good at what he does. He's with the Gold Standard Network with the 49ers. But I'm, he's in the midst of – he hasn't gone through the stages of grief yet. I feel like we caught him on the anger stage. There's still some things that – I'm not out on the 49ers. The, the, you brought it up more than once, the butterfly effect. This and that, you know, but one or two changes. This is not as bad as it appeared. Um, but it snowballed and looked awful. This is a team that tomorrow could play Kansas City and beat them. They could. I, um, I, I, they could. And it, they could. They should have the other night. But for some poor decisions and, you know, a ball hitting a punter, uh, a, a down. I mean, there are some weird things that led to where they are. They had to beat a very, very, a great team in Kansas City. And they didn't do it. But that doesn't mean they're not a gr- good to great team themselves. But they're they're better than Utah ever was. Utah was never going to win. Ever. But but so again it's one for one, but I do think that, you know, the Niners are the Jazz to the mm-hmm. Bulls. You know what I mean? In this particular kind of analogy. I mean, given that they beat them back to back, not that they in the Bulls did, obviously, but not that um, you know, they played back to back, but they did as far as the Niners are concerned, their last two Super Bowls. You know, True. they are the Jazz to, you know, Kansas City's Bulls. And I think so if if we it's hard to do people. I think it's best to kind of do teams. So if the Chiefs are the Bulls for obvious reasons and the Niners are the Jazz, who are the the Baltimore's Knicks? the Knicks. Baltimore I is the Buffalo, Knicks. I think it's Buffalo, dude. You think so? I think it's Buffalo. Okay. I, I, yeah. I can see the argument. I mean, because, I mean, like, who is, you know, so you could, you could really liken either team to, or I'm sorry, either quarterback to Patrick Ewing. Right, you could say that Josh Allen is that. You could say that Lamar Jackson is that, and it's it's or him. And who's more, Pat Riley, Sean McDermott, or John Harbaugh? Because that's that's what really well, sells the. I, I th- again, I, I think Harbaugh is more of a Riley, and not in the way that they play, but in Pat Riley. At the end of the day, was a hard nosed, hard ass out of Kentucky basketball coach. The kind that told you, plant your feet and kick some ass. The kind that told Kurt Rambis, go take them out. The, the Ram, while Showtime was a thing, at the end of the day, Riles was more Riles in New York and Miami than he was in L.A. Equally successful, except in the Knicks, didn't win anything. But the Showtime stuff, that was just part of what has been more of Tough, gritty, hard-nosed, defense-first football to me. And I think that's Harbaugh, and I think that's Baltimore. So I thought about this question when I was walking the dog yesterday. 
And I came up with four kind of main questions to answer within it, like filling out the, the form, so to speak. And Pat Riley wasn't one of them. No really? to him. But, but yeah. so we, we agree that we have to figure out who the, four, who the Jazz are. That's the 49ers relative to the, the Chiefs Bulls. Right. Um, we have to figure out who the Knicks are. I think you can argue the Bills or the Ravens. Who is Charles Barkley yeah. specifically? Like, that, not, so you could like define that how you want, but who, who, what person, what player is Charles, the Charles Barkley in this universe? By play or with personality play and all of no, what Charles the, Barkley is? Forget the personality. Okay. But like, re- relative to, to his place, to, re- you think that, like, again, we're talking about relative to Charles Barkley's place against the Bulls. Like, who is that person relative to the Chiefs? You get what I'm saying? Mm hmm. Like someone who's a little bit more separated in an individual sense, but still kind of, you know, is ultimately falling short because of the presence of the Chiefs in this overall universe. Uh, can we include coaches in this, or does it have to be a player? Yeah, I mean, you could. Because the more I think about it, go ahead. Well, I'm you thinking. know, Barkley was such an all encompassing thing with Phoenix because he, he was, even in the losses, really, really good. I'm going to go – so also it's worth mentioning that I think the Bengals – we'll add a fit. The Bengals are the Pistons because they're the only team that's managed to ruffle up. Well, then you just named it. I was I was looking for someone. Barkley no, is Joe Burrow. He can't be because Joe is, is – he's Isaiah. You know what I'm saying? Like, not that you know Patrick Mahomes hates Joe Burrow. Again, it isn't completely <laughs> I got you. I see what but, you're saying. But, uh, I, but I like, know where you're the, going. The, the Pistons roughed up the Bulls and, and beat them and had that the, the only team who was capable of doing that was Detroit early again at the very at the very beginning of it all and so the only again it's not perfect here but the only team who's had some success against the Chiefs in the playoffs have been you know the Bengals and so I think the Bengals are the Pistons in that sense but because I, I thought about Joe Burrow potentially being Charles Barkley as well but there's still time for Joe yeah exactly um where I'm does Philadelphia land here is Philadelphia like Portland, or are they going to yeah. be a? Do you, do, but see, Portland was not long term, but for about three years, when you put Clyde in there and and, and uh, Terry Porter, I'm naming some other guys. But I I, I look at Portland was a flash for a, for a couple years. They were as good as anybody because of the style and the scheme they played. And when I think of what Adelman was doing and how they did all that, while Adelman was an eminently much more likable coach than Sirianni, there is a sense that this is more about an individual guy, Clyde, bringing guys with him, but there's just not enough, a lot like what they're dealing with Hurts in Philadelphia. So this is a this is a little bit of a weird stretch, but go with me. I think the Eagles are the Lakers, the 91 Lakers, the first ones, because they had a, they had recent tiles. Not that they were, you know, okay. not that the Eagles have had the success that the Lakers had, at, you know, at that point in time. But they had a recent success. You know, we're talking when they met in the Super Bowl last year. It had been five years since Philly had won it. Truth, yeah. And this kind of Tiffany brand, you know, franchise, obviously, and then starting to fall into a little bit of obscurity as the new dynasty begins, the way LA did for the, the entire decade of the night. And obviously, this is a we haven't seen a three-peat in NFL history. Right, I mean the NBA has had a history years in the making of dynasties, like decade long dynasty with Boston. I would and, also, by the way, the other question I wanted to ask, not to completely ignore mm-hmm. yours, uh, but Pete says the Cowboys are the Spurs pre Duncan. It is worth wondering who the Spurs are. Like, who's the team that's lurking that's not going to be good enough until this dissipates? 
I thought about the Texans, but I think CJ Stroud is too good already. You know what I mean? But that being said, well, I think there's the some Rockets? analogy there. Who will be the Rockets? Who who will be the team that benefits from the the brief window when Kansas City falls apart for whatever reason? I'm not sure. I think I kind of. I think it's Cincinnati. The Cowboys. Well, I would like to think it's one of those. Somebody's going to have to benefit from from like. There's going to be a year. I I do think we're in. We're beginning a long stretch of time, but they're not going to win it every 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 single year. I think we're going to see an enormous amount of titles from Kansas City, but there will be off years and weird years and wonky years and whatever the case may happen. And so, who will be the team that benefits because Kansas City slipped up? I think immediately. It'll be Cincinnati. If they can hold it together, they've got the one other quarterback out there that has not been in the conversation because Burrow spent all year hurt. But if there's a guy, one guy out there that didn't get the shot to beat Kansas City in a playoff game on the road, I put it in, in Joe Burrow's lap. I think he he's the guy shot. that could do it. He, yeah, he lo- he, you'll get another one. He's I'm done just it saying. And he, lo- he did lose. one and one. But I, I will give you that if there's a guy out there that can do it, it's Burrow. He's the only other quarterback that really didn't play a role in this year. We saw Hurts play a role. We saw Purdy play a role. We saw Dak play a role. We saw all the pertinents play a role. Burrow was just hurt all year. And he, even going into the year, was the one Joe Cool, the one rock star out there. You go, if anybody that can go pass for pass and play for play with with Pat Mahomes, it's Burrow. So I'm going to put Burrow in Cincinnati there. See, I, I still think that Burrow is in Cincinnati or the Pistons. I can't get off of that. Too t- you know what I mean? Like, I just, this doesn't strike me as tough enough to be the Pistons. Well, again, it's not perfect, but well, they, yeah, I agree. The only, look, there's only one team in throughout the Bulls dynasty that had success against them, and it was the Pistons. And granted, that was right before it, but you know, they they have. If anyone is the Pistons, it's the Bengals. And so, I don't know who the Rockets are, and like. I don't mean to take anything away from the Rockets, but the Rockets don't win those titles if not for obviously you know Jordan stepping away. No question. And so like it has it has to be somebody who is going to benefit exclusively because the Chiefs just get in their own way. And I think that would be like that would be the most Dallas Cowboys thing of all time is to like finally break through, but only because Kansas City didn't even win. And uh, the celebration will be the same. I think the Bills might be the more likely candidate in there. That's what uh, I shouldn't take that. Uh, wow. Private Ryan gave us that our DH. But you really want the Ravens to be the Knicks. I think you're, the you're Ravens feel like the Knicks. Yours. Here's what I'm telling you here. I think the Ravens are going to have four or five years of utter fruitility. That that Pat Ewing was that guy for the Knicks and kept getting so close. Remember the ball on the rim? I was swinging around. That feels very Lamar Jackson. Like, are you kidding me? Again, we didn't have enough? That just feels to me a little bit like Baltimore. That's tough, and you know, I mean, and the fact is, I always like Pat Ewing, and I and I like Lamar, but I like them in, as lovable losers. Wow, they fit that role. Jeez, they coming back. Are the Spurs going to stay in the lovable loser role? Wimby was stupid, amazing. It says that on my rundown, and it is in fact true. Let's look at what he did, the numbers that he threw, and why don't we get to see it more often? And Marion, we know you're there. We're coming to you. You're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning, everybody. Jason Minix here from the Blitz starting at 2 o'clock today. We're talking Spurs and their rodeo road trip as it continues. Plus, the Cowboys do make it official with Mike Zimmer. He is the new defensive coordinator. Shereen Williams will join us at 515 to talk about that. I know you are, Jay Ochoa. 
very excited to have Zim back in Dallas. The anticipation is palpable. He's RJ, I'm Rob. This is the Morning Huddle. We thank you for joining us today. We're going to talk some Wimby, but first, when uh, Marion calls, Marion speaks. That's just the, you know, he's earned it over the years. 656-3776, the numbers he dialed. If you want to follow the greatness that is Marion, you're more than welcome to. Marion, good to hear from you this morning. How you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm good, Rob. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think Baltimore is a team that's going to be the one that falls through um, this crack This crack when Kansas, when Kansas really? City starts shooting. Um, I think they got the greatest lesson. I think, and you think of all the great champions, whether it's the Spurs in basketball, the Patriots, the champions beat you when you, when the champions know how to beat you when you beat yourself. And I think that's the lesson Baltimore learned. They basically beat themselves in the AFC mm-hmm. championship games. And I think even in the Super Bowl, I think the 49ers beat themselves. And I think as a champion, it's not always you have to have overwhelming talent. You do have to have it, but a lot of times you wait for your opponent to make a mistake. And I think Baltimore learned that. And I think, with the stability that they have, they're going to be the team that that fall, that becomes the team next year. I'm, I'm actually going to pick them, go out and pick on a limb and pick them next year. And I think the Chiefs is going to be the hardest year because when you're trying to do something you've never been done, it's going to be all kinds of things, whether it's, God forbid, we don't have an injury, but just things happen when you're trying to do something that's, that's never been done. So I think next year is even going to be tougher. Now, they can still do it because they have that guy, but I think it's going to be the toughest year of trying for them trying to three beat. Marion Colin as uh, always bringing knowledge. I, you know, there's something about Baltimore that to me they until they just feel like they're still missing something. I don't know what they're missing. It just seems like there's something not there. I, is it a running back? Is it a wide receiver? Is, I, I don't know. But if they can answer that question, that might be enough. Uh, thanks for the call, Marion. Uh, talking um, what we witnessed last night from Wimby. What something that we're gonna be. There's going to come a time, R.J. Ochoa, that this is going to be commonplace for us. There's going to come a time, if all things go as they are progressing, that a triple-double will happen once a week for Wimby. Because the things that he's capable of doing with nominal effort and the grace at which he's doing it amongst lessers, when he does it, when it happens, we all go, well, there it is. Why is it always there? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, got, I don't have a, you know, it, look, I, it seems simple to say let the superhuman do superhuman things on a regular basis. Right. Um, and maybe it really is that simple. I've never coached in the NBA. But it was so easy against Toronto for Wemby to do something unbelievably historic like he didn't even i mean i don't mean this literally but he didn't even break a sweat like did it, did it seem like he was like trying beyond you know the realms of his own abilities no and i mean this was just kind of running up and down the court 29 minutes of just wimby running up and down i i agree totally so if that was just wimby being wimby just being allowed to play and, and, and be in his own self-actualized idiom then why don't we see this own self-actualized idiom translate into wins more often? Because the fact of the matter is, while he did something extraordinary last night, for the most part, he's doing this every night. We're getting him for 25 minutes a night, 30 minutes a night, and we're getting a point a minute most of the nights, or real close, and we're getting about a point eight 
rebound a minute most of the night, a little bit more than half a rebound a minute. So we're, this isn't anything new. It just went to a little slightly different level and did it in really a cool-looking way with the 10 blocks. But the fact is we're getting this Wimby every night. We really are. Now, there's rookie not, moments of you know just ignorance and apathy that every rookie goes through, and I think international have a little bit more of them. But that alone is pretty consistent on a very inconsistent team. So where else showed up that made them look so good on the road against an equally bad team, of course? But what was the difference? I think the difference was just that that this was the priority, right? And everything kind of fell in behind it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's much easier to have Devin go off or to have Keldon go off or to have Trey go off as as secondary and, and tertiary, you know, sort of elements. But if, if you're running your offense through any one of those dudes, I mean, you're obviously damaging the, the overall goal and the overall cause, but you're, you're damaging Wemby in the process. Like, Wemby has to – he has to, to part the seas – so everybody can walk and everybody can thrive. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And and he has to be the facilitator. And if if he's not, then 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 nothing is facilitated. I mean, that's just that that's that's pretty standard and common sense at this point in time. I mean, he has to ex- he he simply has to be exhausted at the end of a game. And I don't mean that in a literal sense, but like it. This is the Wimby show. He is not the second act or an accompanying act. He is the front man. He is why people buy tickets. He is why people show up. He is the whole package, the whole ordeal. He is the sun in which the solar system rotates around. Last night, the paint was a no-fly zone, 10 blocks. Um, It's starting to be one of those things that now he's going to intimidate just by standing in the gym. And last night, anybody who saw that film is going to be very concerned about any big going into the paint. Victor did talk about what the difference in the team's performance last night versus previous. For some reason, we felt great today. You know, had some great rhythm. Started the game strong, and uh, I don't know. I, I guess it's just the NBA. You know, we got ups and downs in terms of shape, and today was a was an up day. So. Uh, it was a good day. They started fast. Felt good uh, on our uh, YouTube feed. M E Z B X Vassell would be the perfect number three option. They have to go get a true number two option. Uh, as we sit right now, I agree. But I think he's fully capable of being the number two option. And in fact, you know the way that Pop evidently has been grooming him is to you know you're number one until I tell you otherwise. And so I think that the step to two would be a little bit easier for him to take. But it's not so much about who's getting buckets and who's doing not. It's about understanding that you're the first option always. I'm a great option, but if you're if it's you and me, it's always going to be you. And I, I that's a hard one to take from one to two. It is, um, and I understand that, but it's reality. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the, you know, it, who who disagrees with that? You know what I mean? Like. Just sometimes, you know, look, every band needs a bassist. You know what I mean? Every every band, every great group needs backup singers. Every, you know, a show is a show because it's a group of people, but not everyone can be Freddie Mercury. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's that's the problem here. And, well, I said. mean, the, the, the numbers just, like, speak for themselves, dude. I mean, like, again, this dude, in the most casual way possible, touched air. In, in a stratosphere that 
Kareem and Hakeem and David did and that you would prioritize. And I hate that we have to talk this way because it sounds so negative about them, but like that you would for even a second consider prioritizing Devin Vassell or, or Trey Jones or, or Keldon Johnson over that is what? Like why? Why would that ever enter the brain space of your operation? You know what I mean? Like it's insane to think about things in those terms. When we kind of quantify where we are, and I, I, I stay mad at Pop because I do think there's not a sense of urgency around the team. I just feel like they're using the process as an excuse to kind of let this prolong when I think if he really felt like there was like, I'm retiring in a year and a half. Like, I got a deadline. I want to get back in the playoffs. I think there would be a little bit more of a sense of urgency. And I think that's what bothers so many of us is we don't feel like there's really any there there that they're capable when they want to. We've seen enough of those Minnesota, Phoenix win last night against a bad team, but still impressive kind of wins where you go, when they really are together, they're pretty damn good. So I think we stay mad at him but i want to let's quantify some of the things that pop has done remarkably successful this year apart from the wins and losses thing which you know that's not quibble but he he talked his big three so far into this season he has talked jeremy into playing point guard for an interminable length of time and jeremy kept a pretty good attitude about it considering how bad guys like me blew him up so that successful or unsuccessful experiment has come and gone, and Jeremy's still a happy camper. Different color hair, but still the same dude. Then, uh, Keldon, guess what? You're not a starter anymore. Keldon, you're going to have to come off the bench. Well, you tried Devin with that injury stuff. That wasn't working. So now Keldon is coming off the bench and thriving. Jeremy is no longer a point guard, but a better basketball player for the experiment, though we had to suffer a lot of losses. So we see a little bit of that. So while Pop does talk about a process, it is a painful process, but some of the process is, in fact, paying dividends. And it showed last night. It's aggravating. Well, what we saw, uh, 20 assists amongst two dudes. Hey, uh, that's the streak. Well, I'm, you, I'm, you I'm just saying. <laughs> um, we got 14, 28, and 10 from your big. You got Keldon coming off the bench being successful. You got Jeremy playing that gap filler that he is so good at. That's enough to get him to the All-Star weekend. And then, Pop, no stranger to, to timing, let Wimby go off just a couple of days before he makes his grand opening premiere at the All-Star game. I think that the... Uh, I just... I don't buy that, that, that like the pro, like any part of process is working. Like, I think all that's working is he's an insanely talented player that is powering through some of the stuff around him sometimes. And that happened on Monday night. I, I mean, this isn't, this isn't DeJounte Murray where you're like, oh man, I think we might have something here. If, if we're slow about this and we develop this, like this, this could be something here. And obviously that turned into something else, but like it, this isn't could be something. This is something. You know, there, there's no need for processing to happen here. It, like, the thing is already here. You know, like, there, there's a, a comment in, in the brigade bar from Ray that says, someone needs to tell Pop we already drafted Wemby. And while that's true, he's already, um, um, like, a contemporary. He, he's already one of the best players in the NBA. He's already capable of doing all these things. That isn't to say that he isn't simultaneously raw in other elements right. and other aspects of his overall game. But, like, he is capable of taking you places. 
And so you don't have to sit back and treat him like this puppy. He's a puppy that knows how to sit and how to fetch and how to jump and how to touch and how to shake. He knows all these tricks and stuff already. Like, so you, you don't have to, to do this this way. So I, I, I buck against the idea that like any sort of process is yielding any kind of fruit. I think the only fruit that we're seeing is just the natural phenomena that is Victor Wimpenyama. Uh, he did break another record last night. According to StatMuse, he was the first rookie in NBA history with 15, 10, 5, 5, and two threes to close into a game. Just an utterly, utterly astounding performance. But unfortunately, the team they beat is the team they're trying to get their draft pick from. And that draft pick is protected inside the top seven, right? Or is it top six? It's seven, seven. As, as, long, as long as it's as, as long as it's seven, they ha- they own so they, it. So. They own it. So that win actually helped the Raptors and not the Spurs. But hey, it's a W. We're going to take it. The uh, Mavs are on the docket uh, coming up tomorrow as the rodeo road trip is heading to its mid uh, mid run as we prepare for an All Star game that will highlight a couple of Spurs. I do want to say one thing to get us on the same page: the idea that Chet Holmgren is Rookie of the Year. It's over. So That's over. <laughs> I think that debate was put to bed in about four days. No, we can go ahead and give Wimby the trophy. It It is done and done. When we're seeing things like this and the production and, and really the um, the grace at which he's doing it, 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 it it's not even that hard. <laughs> you know, it's not even as difficult as it should be. You know, what's difficult is convincing guys like RJ that Mike Zimmer might actually make a difference. Mike Zimmer arrives. He's got a long name in the NFL. Who is that going to help bring in? Maybe there's some good to follow. If Zimmer comes, who's next? We'll look at the future or maybe the potential there coming up next as we look at the Cowboys. The Super Bowl uh, broke all kinds of records, and we'll let you know the ones that you might not have thought of that uh, were set anew coming up at 845. Hang with us. we got a lot to do. This is... Uh, the Morning Huddle, and uh, we'll be right back. Hey, gather around. we got stuff to talk about. It's the Morning Huddle, RJ Ochoa, Rob Thompson. And we're also here to help. Uh, it's the day before a holiday that so many of us have sneak up on us. It's Valentine's Day. Uh, if you need any help, maybe coming up with a gift. Short term, you know, you got a no, no time, something ingenuitive. I've uh, been late many a times and bailed out quite well. Maybe I can give you a suggestion. RJ's young, new in love. Uh, maybe he's got uh, something for you youngsters as well. But we're here to help. Uh, but I do want to warn you, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Uh, if you haven't made reservations, you might want to do so quickly. Uh, or you might want to celebrate early like I normally do. and late the, uh, Let the amateurs go out later in the evening. Ideal Valentine's candy in your mind. It's chocolate of some sort. But well, uh what a I have, but see I, I have mean, come on, give us something specific. Well see, I, mean, I don't you know, I have been I, I introduced. Like I mean my, my okay. uh I've been introduced to a gourmet like gourmet chocolates, like the kind that's coming out of oh, man, Belgium. A, like the Brussels like those those next okay. level type seat. And I don't know those brands. But I have discovered that the chocolate I've been eating is good, but there's stuff out there in the world, the likes of which I didn't know existed. There's chocolate out there that, oh, my goodness. So there's a level at which I didn't know existed that I have found over the last couple of months. I got a gift box from this Belgian chocolatier that is like no chocolate I've ever had before. I didn't know they could do stuff like that. 
happy for you. But again, yeah. I was talking cliche, conventional, on the shelf. A Hershey's Kiss. Valentine's candy. That's what it was made for. One? What an even worse answer. I mean, what a just. Oh, so terrible. what's yours? Yours probably has peanut butter in it, so you have bad breath. Uh, See, there's things you have to think about. Anybody, See, so See? Um, well, I'm I'm good looking enough to overcome that. So you're really I not. like the I, I, <laughs> I like the mini Reese's, the little ones See, that the, feel like in the palm of your hand. Peanut butter is not a good peanut butter. Save that for Easter. Save that for Christmas. You don't want no, no but peanut butter breath. In fact, you I'm talking the, chocolate mint. You want the minty chocolate fresh breath. Man. You're really souping yourself up. You know what I mean? You need the mint. You need the hair stuff. Hey, man, some of us smells. need every everything going their way. And if you could add one more thing to the plus pile, like minty fresh breath with a little bit of chocolate hint, maybe that'll help. But it, we are here to help if you need a little suggestion, something, something to get you through maybe your first Valentine's. What um, is the, um, the Mike Zimmer something, something here? Is Mike the... The minty I, I don't have fresh. one. I wish I did. But Mike Zimmer does have a reputation around this league. He does. Uh, I'm not kidding. Mike has a reputation as being a stern, hard-nosed, defensive tactician. He's not going to out-scheme you. He's going to out-hit you. Okay. So, uh, is that, I mean, that is a fundamental change from where I, we have I, gone. I I'm not I saying good or bad. But I think I think that's. I'm not super down on this, to be very clear. All right? Yeah, but we have to. I don't think you are it. either. I don't think you're down on Zimmer as much as people think you no. are, because he does no. have a firm reputation. So let's look on the bright side. If as Zimmer arrives, what's the best thing that could happen with Zimmer? The outcomes. Well, that's what I meant. Was I meant down in a good way? Like I'm not super in on this. However, I would push back against your. Um, characterization i don't i don't mean to put words in your mouth that he's just this like uh this you know bulldozer rhino gonna come in and just hit you. he is a an, an advanced defensive mind he yes. is gonna out scheme you he is well he's gonna be very very specific with how he sends players and how he blitzes you he wants to explain like, i think he's a much more intellectual you know intellectually talented defensive mind than a lot of people tend to give him credit for because he is so like rough and tough and screams and people mm -hmm. kind of assume he's just this brute um but it's not I mean, Dan Quinn style. Well, can we say that what what he does is very different from what Dan Quinn did? It, I would say it's different. If if I had to cast a wide net on them, Dan Quinn is you know Warriors basketball, right? Like mm -hmm. just flying around. You know what I mean? Like trying to do everything. Whereas you know Mike Zimmer wants to get down in the paint. Like Mike, Mike Zimmer wants to you know rough you up and and you know really kind of wear you down. And there's there's beauty and there's art to both styles of play. And there's also intelligence to both styles of mm -hmm. play. Again, just because one is physical does not mean it's void of, you know, schematic Absolutely. design. And so I think the best case scenario for Mike Zimmer and, and what he ultimately brings to the Dallas Cowboys is, um, I wouldn't say a deviation from exactly who Dan Quinn has been, but more of a return to kind of classic football, um, you know, getting away from, you know, I wouldn't say nickel is the new base, but getting away from these lighter players. Mm -hmm. It turns out you kind of need some some physical dudes to to play the sport of football. And maybe, you know, I, I don't think that we give proper love to the 2014 NFL draft class because there were some really big whiffs. Um, the Texans whiffed on Jadeveon Clowney. The Jaguars whiffed on Blake Bortles. Obviously, that was the Johnny Menzel draft. Um, but Aaron Donald was found in that draft by the Los Angeles Rams. He was somebody who a lot of Cowboys fans wanted, obviously. 
Um, obviously, Zach Martin was mm-hmm. the Cowboys pick in that draft, and that has worked out rather well. But if the Cowboys couldn't have gotten Zach Martin, you know, and I remember this vividly at the time, myself and other people on the internet wanted Aaron Donald or Anthony Barr. And Anthony Barr obviously landed in Minnesota, and Mike Zimmer got the best out of him. Now, not necessarily your kind of classic off-ball linebacker, but I think the best-case scenario is Mike Zimmer develops, you know, these tried-and-true classic off-ball middle linebackers that can really roam and patrol the middle of the defense and stop allowing dudes to just – the best-case scenario is you wind up with Fred Warner and Trey Greenlaw, I guess. (laughs) Well, that's a pretty good scenario. Yeah. So I don't think at the end of the day it's it's Mike Zimmer as the coach – it's Mike Zimmer as the coach in this time is in his career, in this point in the timeline of the Dallas Cowboys that I think that you're upset with. But and there is some schematic things that I think a lot of people there's a reason why he left, that he was gone. And we're gonna have some guys join us tomorrow to give us a better insight into his life with the Vikings and with Cincy prior to that as a defensive coordinator. So we'll get a better idea of what he's done and with some of those guys. But let's go specifically. You brought up Anthony Barr. So if I'm Micah Parsons and I go, what does Zimmer do well that will make me be even more of who I am? What is that? What what can he do for Micah? I mean, I think it depends on how you evaluate Micah, and mm-hmm. I would love to I would love to hear how he does and obviously his answer helps get him the job. But I, a lot of people, you know, argue that the Cowboys should move Micah back and play him at off-ball linebacker. That is one of the worst ideas I've ever heard in my mind. Like, it's, it's, it's beyond letting Devin Vassell take the game-winning shot over right. MB, like levels of bad. And so Micah is, is an edge rusher. That's where he can right. impact the game the most. And so, I mean, I would argue, certainly now with the benefit of hindsight, that maybe Dan Quinn got a little too cute with Micah, like moving him inside and rushing him around. It's like... Let this dude just wear down one tackle all game long because his engine does not slow. And so let him just wear and wear and wear and wear and wear. Let Demarcus Lawrence handle his side. And, I mean, I guess Mike's challenge is to improve the interior of things, not just obviously at the linebacker position, but along – I mean – in the in the best 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 case scenario, Mike Zimmer turns Mozzie Smith around because, man alive, it was not a great rookie season. And so – that's who I mean. Think about players that have played for Mike Linval Joseph, obviously in Minnesota. I mean, like there there are opportunities, you know, in terms of what Mike has done with interior defensive linemen in the past for him to come in and work with Mozzie and turn this into a more respectable team that isn't going to get pushed around the middle of the line of scrimmage, which has certainly been the case for not just the Dan Quinn era, but like you know Mo, when Mozzie was drafted, it was this big deal because the Cowboys haven't devoted premium resources to a defensive tackle in a very very long time. They've just been kind of getting by with, you know, casuals and would-be free agents and dudes who were dinged up for this reason or another. So that is exciting in, in one sense, if the potential is realized. With the change, there are some things about what Dan – Dan, we still love him. I mean, it's funny how, how quickly things have changed for Dan Quinn. But one of the things that he brought that Zimmer just couldn't do his entire time with the Cowboys was turnovers. Turnovers suddenly changed the game for us. Is there enough of this of the Dan Quinn mentality still on the Cowboys, even though Zimmer's coming back, to kind of maintain this attitude that turnovers first and foremost? I think that so my point is not turnovers are bad, right? My point is not I don't want turnovers, but I think that Dan Quinn's unit became overly reliant. Obsessed. Okay. When I, yeah, reliant, I guess, is a better term. Yeah, because you know, if what happens if you don't get them? You know what I mean? Like, but I know, you know what happens when we do. You know, that, I mean, I, it, it was game-changing stuff. But, 
but think about you know the the play Deron Bland missed on DK Metcalf in the Seahawks game. I mean, he missed that, and then boom, it's a seventy-three yard touchdown the other way. And you're right, like you know, being that aggressive often in the Cowboys case leads to a lot of success. But something you know, I've been saying, a lot of people have been saying for the last few years, and the Cowboys have found a way to defy is that there will be regression to the mean. Mm-hmm. It, it, tur- turnover success is one of the least, you know, sustainable points of success in the NFL. I mean, it is one of the things that most significantly regresses, not just to the mean, but often to the other end of the spectrum one year later. And so, in, again, that's why, you know, I've eaten a lot of crow on this front and given Dan Quinn a lot of credit. But after 2021, and that was the crazy Trayvon Diggs 11 interception, it was like, there's no way that they're going to have as many, you know, turnovers in 2022. Lo and behold, they did it. And they have found a way to, to really harness that talent of theirs. But it does leave you susceptible it does open an Achilles heel and kind of paint a target on it. Mm-hmm. And if you have an efficient enough quarterback, they can take advantage of it. And that's where, you know, we talk about metrics and evaluations like DVOA and EPA per play. Two of the more efficient quarterbacks in those senses across the entire NFL over the last few years now, obviously only one for the latter, but have been Brock Purdy and Jordan Love. And because they're so efficient, because they're so careful with the football, they do not take those chances. And if you are over-reliant on generating turnovers and you run into these quarterbacks who have high levels right. and high marks and efficiency categories, they're able to survive that aggression that you're throwing at them. And so what you have to do against dudes like this and the, the quarterbacks and the teams who have upended the Cowboys is you have to disrupt the machine. And that's not something that they're – they've almost – and this people have utilized this terminology with Dan Quinn. The Cowboys have almost invited the run uh, with how they play football because – their belief is that, you know, the quickest way to the end zone is, is through the air, and that's true. But, you know, when you invite the run and teams are, are putting themselves in 12 personnel and you have small linebackers like Marquise Bell, you're just going to get run over time and time and time again. And after that happens enough times, then play action becomes a, a larger factor and a larger part of the game, and everything kind of falls apart at the scene. On our YouTube feed, Alexandra asks, does Zimmer's defense, has it has success against the 49ers, the Cardinals, the teams that have kind of surprised the Cowboys offensively? One of the only people, good question, by and this, the way. Is, this is where all the, good, good question, Alexandra, and the brigade bar, one of the, this is a relative thing because there's not a significantly large sample size, and this is where a lot of Cowboys fans are coping, and I'm, I'm not, you know, jumping into that category quite yet. Give me a few months, and I'll, I'll chug all the Kool-Aid with you all. <laughs> but one of the only people who has had a somewhat sustained level of success against the Kyle Shanahan tree of coaching in the NFL has been Mike Zimmer. And so it isn't just and, – and what and what Mike Zimmer offers. It isn't just that, um, oh, you know, the Cowboys have to find a way to beat the Niners and the Packers, and those are Kyle – you know, obviously literally Kyle Shanahan and, and, and then Matt LaFleur, a, a former disciple of the kind of overall area. But that, that percolates across the entire NFL. Like, you know, Matt LaFleur is from Sean McVay's tree, and right. while that's not Kyle Shanahan, they're similar. I mean, they're, they're in the same forest, so to speak. But Mike McDaniel had his way. I mean, you, you can look, you know, the, the Cowboys have to play D'Amico Ryans, who is obviously a, a defensive coach, but, you know, has experience working with Kyle Shanahan. And so, I mean, th- this offensive system and offensive disposition and way of life and way of thinking percolates across the entire NFL. In order to have success in today's NFL, yes, you in all likelihood have to at some point go through Kyle Shanahan himself, but you at the very least have to go through one or a few of his disciples, and the Cowboys learned that lesson the hard way. The last night inspire you Spurs fans you feeling good about it Super Bowl broke all kinds of records
Kids. When we come back, we'll look at where America was on Sunday night. 113 million of us were busy. We're talking NFL. We're talking Spurs. This is 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star.